Holy God, we thank you for all the ways that you make yourself known to us, especially in this time of worship. Thank you for the opportunity to be together today and to hear all the ways that you are speaking a word of hope and promise to us, even, God, when we turn away from you. Make yourself known to us in this time. Meet us, lead us, and guide us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You just never know what kids are going to say. <clears throat> I picked my daughter up from preschool uh, a couple days ago, and we were in the car. Uh, she said to me, Mommy, a house is not alive. And I said, That's right. <laughs> Tell me what's going on in your head. And she said, We're learning in school about what is alive and what is not alive. A house is not alive. And that was that. And then she wanted peanut butter pretzels for a snack, and then we went home, and then we were done. And then a few days later, I dropped her off, and they were in the middle of an activity where each kid had to do a mini scavenger hunt and find something in the classroom that was alive and something that was not alive. And surprisingly, this was sort of a difficult task to find something that's alive and to find something that's not. And I've been thinking about that as I prepare for this conversation today. It seems like such a simple skill, doesn't it? Knowing what's alive and what's not alive. I'm sure, do you guys want to do this activity this morning? Give you some post-its you can label all the things in the worship service that are alive? No? You're saying, no, don't make me get up, Katie. That sounds terrible. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure if I gave you this activity, you'd do okay. You'd do pretty well. You could find the things in the space that are living. The pews? No? Just kidding? You could find the things in the space that are living, the flowers, the other people. You could find the things that are not, the pews and the instruments. These, these things are fairly clear. But what's not as clear for us is what gives us life. And what is not as clear for us is what doesn't. Many of us are not in pre-K anymore. I don't think we have anybody in pre-K in this worship space this morning. And yet we are still learning. And we are in good company because this at its core, this is the conversation that we hear the people of Israel having. They're struggling to figure out what gives life and what does not. And in the struggle, what we see them do is this. They give life to something that doesn't give life to them. And they give their lives to that which cannot give life to them instead of giving their life to God and their lives to God. They're giving their lives to that which instead takes life away from them. So here's what's happening. You might have heard this story before. Moses is on Mount Sinai. He's talking with God. He's getting the laws from God that God wants to give to the people about how the people are going to live. And they've been freed from their Egyptian enslavement. And now it is time for God to tell them how they're going to live together and how they're going to live with God. It's time for God to tell them how they will worship and how they will honor one another as a community. And so by, this, by the time this story takes place, Moses has been up on that mountain for about 40 days and 40 nights. And it's been so long that the people start to worry. They can't see Moses. And it's freaking them out. And so they fix that worry. They do that themselves. Something that we do pretty often. We have a worry and we just figure out a way to fix it on our own. They have a need to encounter something tangible of God. 
So they make a god in the form of a statue, a little golden calf from their jewelry. This is a god that they can't, um, there's a god that they can't see or experience or touch. And that god has not showed up for them in the way that they expect. So they make a god that they can see and that they can touch and that they can control. But they don't stop there. They give it meaning. They say to themselves, this is our God. This is the one who brought us up out of the land of Egypt. And they eat and they drink and they celebrate. And God, who is their actual God, understandably, has an issue with this. And it's really easy to hear this story and write it off. Like, this is just a story from several thousand years ago. What does this have to do with me and my life today? I would never worship a statue. Why are you talking about this to me this morning? And you might be right. But there's a way that we can easily find ourselves in this story. We are still making gods for ourselves today, just like they were. So look back just for a minute at what the people do after the calf is made. They give it life. They give life to something that they have made. They give to this thing that they made 15, year, 15 minutes ago. They give it credit for their creation. They give it credit for their salvation. They give it life, something that they have made. They attribute to this idol something that it doesn't deserve. And then they give their lives to this thing that they have made. They are willing to give it their time and their attention and their energy and their resources and their worship. They are drawing close to something that is finite, not something that is infinite. To something that felt close instead of something that really was. And we, friends, we are in good company here because this is, at its core, the struggle that we are experiencing even in our lives today. It's like they're in pre-K again, wandering around the classroom instead of wandering around in a desert trying to figure out what's alive and not and not quite getting it. They confuse things, and sometimes so do we. We give life to things that we have made. We make gods. Sometimes we make gods of actual, physical, tangible things like our possessions or our favorite places or our bank accounts or the stock market portfolio or our salary. And sometimes we give life, sometimes we make gods of intangible things, our routines and our traditions and our systems, our work, our productivity, our schedules, our grades, our resume, our success, our future plans. We make gods of our ideology and our politics our ideas, our belief systems, our relationships, our parenting styles, the image that we cultivate, you name it, at one point or another, we have given it credit for our salvation. We say to ourselves, this stuff is going to save us. It's going to heal us. It's going to set us free. It's so, so easy to mistake our own creations for our God. We've made them into something that they're not. We've given them life. And then we give our life to them, to the tangibles and the intangibles. We give our time and our energy and our attention and our resources and our worship. These are truths about us. We're human. 
There's not one of us who doesn't struggle with this from time to time. This is you. This is me. This is all of us. Have y'all heard the name Henry Nouwen before? Henry Nouwen was a Dutch Catholic priest, and he wrote extensively on where God meets us in our everyday lives. He has a 1972 book called The Wounded Healer, and in it he retells an old, old story. Four brothers each decide to master a special ability. And so they go their separate ways, and after some time has gone by, they reunite to share with one another what they've learned. And the first brother says, I've mastered the ability to take a bone, the bone of a creature, and create the flesh that goes with it. And the second brother says, I've learned how to grow hide and hair where there is already flesh and bone. And the third brother says, I'm able to create limbs where there is flesh, hide, and hair. And the fourth says, I've discovered how to give life to a creature if its form is complete. So the brothers decide to test their skill together. They search for a bone, and they find one that belongs to a lion. The first add the flesh. The second added the hide and hair. The third added the limbs. And the fourth gave it life. And the lion got up, shook its mane, and attacked its creators. We have the tendency, we have the capacity to give life and to give our lives to that which will hurt and harm us given the chance. Because the reality is, friends, that none of the things that we make from Egypt's gold is God. None of it is. It might bring a moment of comfort. It might bring a sense of power or a feeling of strength or a sense of control or a little bit of hope. But long term, searching after all of these things, all of these gods that we make, it will lead us nowhere good. None of it's going to save us. None of it will set us free. None of it is God. Only God is. Where in your life are you giving life to that which does not give life back? Where in your life are you giving your life to that which does not give life to you? It is tough to be honest about this before our God, friends. It's tough to read this story and to hear how quickly we forget. It's tough to hear about the disloyalty of which we are part, to say, God, this is a place where I struggle giving life, giving my life. I wish I didn't, God, but I do. I feel like I should have learned by now, but I haven't. Help me. I hope you know that God sees you. I hope you know that God loves you and welcomes you and forgives you in the middle of your struggle. And I hope you know that your struggle isn't the end of your story. Grace is. When we struggle to live into the reality for which we are made, God is faithful to us. Look at what happens next. God sees what's happening. God says to Moses, leave me alone so I can give them what they deserve, right? And Moses says back to God, you went to all that trouble to bring these people out of Egypt, and now you're going to destroy them? Change your mind, God. Show your mercy. Remember your promises. And God does. God does. That's the end of the story. Not the struggle, but the freedom. 
God remains true to us, true to God's character, true to God's promises, even when we don't remain true to God. Even when we go so far as to break a promise that we made 15 minutes ago. Even when we make other gods for ourselves, giving it our lives, giving it life. God is faithful to us and calls us back into relationship with us. Jesus remains faithful to us. In just a moment, we'll celebrate at the table of communion. And this is a time when we get to remember Jesus' final meal that he celebrated with his disciples. We take the bread, we take the cup, and we sit around the table with all those people who have ever followed Jesus, all those who ever have gotten it right and gotten it wrong. And that includes those first disciples, people who didn't understand him, people who didn't listen to him, people who would soon betray him, people he still welcomed, and people for whom he still went to the cross. You and I, we might have a tendency toward giving our life and life away to that which is not God, but thanks be to God, our tendency doesn't have to be our reality. We're made for more than giving life and giving our lives away to that which is not God. Because of God's grace, a different life is possible. So how will we step into that life today? God, by God's grace and by God's spirit, will help us as we learn. Thanks be to God.